Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa and by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show, we take a look at the last round of qualifiers for the Africa Cup of Nations, with Cameroon among those making it on the final day. And we speak to the most talked about Nigeria player right now, Victor Boniface, who's won the German Bundesliga Player of the Month award for August after a great start at Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Boniface has had a difficult journey, surviving potentially career-ending injuries, going into depression and losing his mother before getting to the Bundesliga and to the Nigeria national team. This is the reason why I play football, to try to play and get it to the top top flight, you know, so I'm really um, proud of myself. We'll hear from Boniface later. Also, we ask why Saudi Arabia are the hosts of the African Super Cup between Al-Athli of Egypt and USM Alger of Algeria. And lots on the English Premier League as Stuart highlights some of the most significant transfers. But uh, first, so sad to hear of the devastating floods in Libya and the earthquake in Morocco. And the Confederation of African Football will observe a moment of silence at all of its matches this weekend to respect and honour those who've lost their lives in these disasters. Uh, Those floods in Libya have claimed the lives of a number of uh, top-flight footballers, according to the Libya Football Federation. So our condolences uh, to the families and friends of those who have lost their lives in those two natural disasters. Well, on a brighter note, the shortlist for the FIFA Best Awards uh, came out on Thursday and Nigeria's Victor Osimen is on the shortlist for the Men's Best Footballer Award where Lionel Messi is the favourite and Erling Haaland is also there. Osimen having a great season with Napoli in Italy last season. Uh, two Africans on the men's goalkeeper shortlist, that's Yassine Bonou of Morocco and Sevilla. Also there, Cameroon's Andre Onana, uh, now with Manchester United with Inter Milan last season. And now the winners will be decided by a public vote. We'll talk about the Ballon d'Or nominees later on. And the CAF Champions League is back this weekend uh, with a second round first leg games. The winners of these ties qualifying for the group stage. Uh, defending champions Al-Athli of Egypt play away to St. George of Ethiopia next weekend because they're playing in the CAF Super Cup this weekend. Uh, games on this weekend include Almarek of Sudan against Yanga of Tanzania. Power Dynamos of Zambia facing Simba of Tanzania. Esperance of Tunisia play AS Farabat of Morocco in a North African derby. There's big bullets of Malawi up against five-time champions TP Mazembe of DR Congo. And Primero Augusto of Angola take on Al-Hilal of Sudan. Also, we have the CAF Confederation Cup second round first legs on this weekend. Well, the 24 teams playing at next year's Africa Cup of Nations finals in Ivory Coast have been decided. Uh, The last nine places were taken in the last round of qualifiers. The Gambia, Ghana, Angola, Mauritania, DR Congo, Tanzania, Mozambique, Namibia and Cameroon qualifying. Uh, Cameroon's 3-0 win over Burundi saw Namibia also qualify from Group C. Uh, The Gambia are going to their second AFCON finals in a row with a great comeback against Congo Brazzaville 
Sevilla.、Uh, the Scorpions、uh, fell two nil behind, but battled back for a two-two draw to get the point that they needed in a difficult game played in Morocco soon after the earthquake. Mozambique qualified with an exciting 3-2 home win over Benin. Tanzania qualified for the third time in their history. DR Congo beat Sudan 2-0 to top Group I, with Mauritania going through with them. Mauritania a third straight finals for them. Well, Nigeria had already qualified, and they ended their campaign on a high with a 6-0 win over Sao Tome, who they beat in 10-0 in the away fixture. That's a 16-0 scoreline over the two games. There was a hat trick there for Victor Osimhen, and the Super Eagles already look to be early favourites for next year's finals. Now, one of the most talked-about Super Eagles players right now is another Victor. That's Victor Boniface, who's playing for Bayer Leverkusen in the German Bundesliga. And on Thursday, Boniface won the Bundesliga Player of the Month award for August after a great start to the season. Also, he took the Bundesliga Rookie Player of the Month as well. He has、uh, five goals and two assists in four games so far. Boniface is 22. He's a striker. He played in Norway, then in Belgium before moving to Germany. He's had a difficult journey getting there, though,、uh, surviving potentially career-ending injuries,、uh, dropping into depression, and losing his mother before going to the Bundesliga and finally getting his chance with the Nigeria national team. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Olawashina Akaleji spoke to Boniface. This is the reason why I play football to try to play and get it to the top, top flight. You know, so I'm really、um, proud of myself. Are you surprised by your own start to life in the Bundesliga?、Mm, yeah, of course I'm surprised. But you know, it's football; anything can happen. So when you have chance, you just have to prove yourself. When you look at your career, it's been a tough journey for you. A lot of people picked up strength from some of the stories you shared about your life. You know, injury slowing you down at some point. What was it like for you at that point when you first suffered the first one? And the one that was really serious as well.、Uh, during that time, it was、um, difficult. The first one was not so bad, just because that was like after、um, two weeks before my before I signed. So I know nothing about the injury. I remember when、um, I went when I did the scan, and the doctor told me I have like ACL. Straight, I said to him, "Okay, will I be ready for the Sunday game?" He was like, "No, no, no. You are out for like eight, nine months. So I have to call." People back on like they said I have ACL. What does that mean? This and they tried to explain to me. So during that time, it was it was not so it was difficult just because then I didn't know like what this injury mean. You understand?、Mm. So and I think during that time was、um, we were preparing like I think in a month or two we were supposed to go to under twenty World Cup. So I was also on that team. So I missed out on that also. So. But the second one was more、um, difficult for me because I remember the, the the second one was straight after we won on、um, the league in Norway. So we won the league, celebrating, you know, and you win the league for like almost eighty years. The club have never won the league, so we did that. So the, the celebration of everything. So during that time, I got injured unluckily for me, and during that time, I was supposed to、uh, make a move to Bruges, to Club Bruges in Belgium. During that time, also. During that process, I lost my mom and stuff like that. So it was really challenging for me. Like I said in my previous interview, I stopped. I started doing like things I don't normally do, you know, just to forget about football for a while. So, but I get my motivation back from people close to me, family and friends. So they keep believing in me. So that's it. 
for some footballers, they could go into serious depression that could lead to some serious, scary thoughts in their head. Were you in that place, like a dark place where you actually thought of? Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I thought of stop playing football at the point, like thinking what, what will I do? But like I said, I have family and close friends who really, really believe in me and me. I never doubt my talent. So I, I remember what gave me back the motivation to play was when my team were playing against Roma in Rome. So I was there. So I was in the VIP section. So I was a little bit hungry. So I walked to the VIP section to get food. This was like four months after the injury. So. I went to the VIP section to get food. After when I took my food, when going back, my phone started ringing. So I picked it. It was my agent. It was like um, some clubs. I hear they saw you walking already. Like they asked me, I said situation. Like they really want to know. So that really pushed me. Like okay, even though I'm not playing, people are saying focusing on me and stuff like that. So from that very moment, I changed back my mentality. Okay, I believe in myself. I believe I can still do this. So that boosted me. <laughs> That's quite a remarkable story there, showing how much attention there is on oh, Victor Boniface uh, of Bayer Leverkusen and Nigeria. And he's just taken the German Bundesliga Player of the Month and Rookie Player of the Month award. And as I say, he's a much talked about player, Ida. Well, as he should be, Steve. I mean, fresh talent is always good for the game. And he certainly hit the ground running in Germany. But even before this, he was still making moves. He finished as top scorer in the 2022-23 Europa League season. And that was alongside Man United's Marcus Rashford with six goals in 10 games. At this time, Steve, he was with Belgian first division team Union Saint-Gilloise who he joined for a year, and even with the Belgians, he'd meant business from the start. He got a hat-trick on his debut for the club. That was in a UEFA Champions League qualifying game. I mean, clearly showing them what he could do. Boniface came through the Real Sapphire Football Academy in Lagos, Nigeria. Now, he got to Europe at 18, where he joined Norwegian side Glimt. It's a club that's been known to develop some serious talent in the past. And another thing, Steve, that's really got people talking is his range. I mean, he's a big guy, well over six feet, so he's physically imposing. He's good on both feet. He's good in the air. And he can dribble. So it's a serious punch that he's packing. But as you've said there, he is also injury prone. He was out for six months, just when he'd gotten to Glimt. He was out for a year, close to when Bruges was supposed to happen. And he's already suffered some injury lengths that some serious professional players haven't. But has to be said that his bounce back is incredible. And I think that it does speak loads to his character. And if he manages to stay healthy... Leverkusen might find that the return on investment will far outweigh the initial cost. They got him for 20 million euros or give or take 22 million dollars. And it might end up being the easiest 20 million they've ever spent. Yes, it looks like a bargain already. And let's just hope that uh, Victor Boniface can uh, stay away uh, from injury. 
Now, this is a Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport. And next on the show, depending on what day you're listening to the programme, the African Super Cup is taking place or took place on Friday night in Saudi Arabia. Champions League winners Al Atli of Egypt against Confederation Cup winners USM Algier of Algeria. Uh, but many eyebrows raise that uh, this game is being played in Saudi Arabia. What do you read into this, Ida? I mean, there's quite a lot to be read into this, Steve. The most important thing to look at here is what each side stands to gain. Well, CAP recently signed a five-year partnership with the Saudi Arabian Football Federation. Now, no numbers were given in terms of value of the deal or what to expect, but they did vaguely mention football development and commercial prospects. And CAF is in the red, has been in the red for many years, especially after cancelling that $1 billion Lagadea contract. Now, they had to pay out $50 million to settle that. At the last CAF General Assembly, they posted a loss that was, you know, relatively better than previous years. So that was positive. But then again, just when it looked like the ship was starting to stabilise, they cancelled the BN contract, and we can only guess how much they'll have to pay out if indeed it does get there. I mean, BN was broadcasting in North Africa, the Middle East, Asia, France, and the US. So Steve Kaff is desperate. I mean, they're launching new competitions with no sponsors in sight. And remember that there were talks of Saudi Arabia potentially sponsoring the Africa Football League for $160 million. Now, that didn't materialize for the inaugural season, but it's not to say that it will never happen. So in return for Saudi potentially developing African football, because as we know, in football politics, nothing comes for free. (laughs) It is expected that the continent will fully throw its weight behind Saudi's World Cup bid in 2034. Now, it's said that the kingdom was considering a 2030 bid, but with Qatar hosting it in 2022, well, there was simply no way the Middle East was going to be considered until after 2034. Now, as to how CAF and Saudi are connected, well, All guesses there go to FIFA President Gianni Infantino, who many say, rightly in my opinion, has quite the powerful hand in how the continent's football is being run now. Infantino is known to have a good relationship with the Saudi Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Salman. I mean, they even sat together last year in the same executive box for the heavyweight fight between Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk, in Jeddah. Well, intriguing. So then Saudi Arabia keen to host a sporting events. Right. So looking at hosting rights and this year alone, the Saudi Kingdom has secured the FIFA Club World Cup, the 2027 Asian Cup and the Supercoppa Italiana. Steve, Saudi Arabia will host four of the next six editions of the Supercoppa Italiana, which is another curtain raiser because it features winners of the Serie A against winners of the Supercoppa. And how I look at it is, well, Saudi Arabia is doing this with games that are nondescript enough 
not to cause too much controversy, but still notable enough to have the big guns present. Now, it's a very sweet spot right in the middle, and it's quite strategic if you think about it. Super Cups essentially are curtain raises to new seasons. So backlash will be there, you know, but not too much. Say how moving a CAF Champions League or even CAF Confederation Cup final would be. So look, in case anyone thinks that these sorts of deals are only being struck in Africa, they've got it completely wrong. Saudi Arabia is firmly and methodically planting itself in English football. You saw that they bought Newcastle. And they've now gotten into Italian football. And I think while people are looking at it from a very short-term perspective, you hear what people are saying, Steve. It's the hype. It's going to die down. The Saudi kingdom has both tunnel and peripheral vision on this. They're decades ahead of us. In future, they're probably looking at having quite the say, even on how countries run their own football systems. I mean, Arab money, as they say, is spreading far and wide, Steve. Because, I mean, what Saudi is doing now, Qatar had done before, right? Remember, Qatar signed a partnership with CAF to host the Super Cup for three editions from 2019 to 2021. And I do believe Saudi has borrowed a leaf and maybe even plans to take it up a notch. Well, so it's not just an African thing. Yes, all that uh, growing influence around the world uh, for Saudi Arabia. Thanks, Ida. Ask if your thoughts on this on social media this week. Uh, should the African Super Cup be played in Saudi Arabia? Uh, so the Champions League winners, Al Ahly of Egypt uh, against Confederation Cup winners, USM Algier of Algeria with Saudi Arabia the host. As Ida said there, Saudi Arabia is growing in sporting influence, has been over the past few years, also the host of the Italian Super Cup, along with other sports events. But do you think that the African Super Cup should be played on another continent? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Should the African Super Cup be played in Saudi Arabia? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League and the most significant transfers there. You can follow us on Twitter or on X at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To get the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, to social media now. Last week we asked, should there have been more African players nominated for the Ballon d'Or Award? Four African players are there on the 30-man shortlist for the men's Ballon d'Or. That's Victor Osimen of Nigeria, Mohamed Salah of Egypt, Andre Anana of Cameroon, and Morocco goalkeeper Yassine Bonou. So we asked, should there have been more African players nominated? And, well, lots of people said yes, and we had plenty of suggestions. Uh, Sam D. in Nigeria. 
Nigeria says yes, Riyad Mahrez won the Champions League, the English Premier League and the FA Cup. Uh, Mahrez of Algeria with Manchester City, of course, last season and now in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Samuel Wimbud says yes, uh, Mahrez should be there, along with Atraf Hakimi, the Moroccan who plays for Paris Saint-Germain. Onyach Israel Olela says yes. Uh, Thomas Partey and Edward Mendy should have been there. Uh, Partey still with uh, Arsenal, the Ghanaian, and Edward Mendy, the Senegalese, uh, of course, was with Chelsea and are now playing in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Ten pounds in Ghana talks of two Ghanaians, uh, Thomas Partey and Mohamed Kudus, who's now with West Ham but was with Ajax last season. Uh, Belong Baji in the Gambia says, yes, there should have been more. Surely others are good enough to have made it onto the short list. Uh, MC Bright uh, says Frank Zambo Angisa had a good season at Napoli. Uh, yes, that a Cameroonian midfielder. Sideko Suno in the Gambia says there should have been more African players nominated. The likes of Cameroon's Vincent Aboubakar, Morocco's Sofiane Amrabat and Sadio Mane of Senegal says Sideko. Uh, Frederick Ayeta in Kenya says yes. So where's Sadio Mane on that shortlist? And Mane, of course, are playing for Bayern Munich last season. Oliver Salah Manuka in DR Congo says Chancel and Bemba should have been there. Uh, Bemba, the Congolese who plays for Marseille in France. Uh, then some felt the judges have got it right uh, with the shortlist. Uh, Silla, born to shine in Guinea, says, I think Victor Osimen was the best player last season. I believe 100% he'll play just as well this season as well. Idong Inyang in Nigeria says, I overrule all of those other sentiments. Uh, those four African players nominated were quite exceptional at their various clubs. In all fairness, I haven't seen any other player from Africa that should have made the shortlist, says Idong. And uh, finally, Eputete in Nigeria says uh, those four will be the main four on the shortlist for the African Footballer of the Year Award too. If I'm correct, I can safely go ahead and predict that the winner uh, will be Victor Osimen as the African Footballer of the Year for 2022-23, says Eputete. Uh, certainly does look to be the favourite. Thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. Next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir in the UK. English Premier League back this weekend after the international break. But first, Stuart, let's catch up on what was a very busy transfer window. Well, it seems to me almost a transfer window like none other. And it's been strange for the last two weeks with the Premier League transfer window closed, but some countries, notably Saudi Arabia and Turkey, uh, opened for another week or two, which meant the Premier League clubs during that period could not sign new players, but they could still lose players. And looking at it overall, the three clubs spending most probably no surprise, Chelsea, $500 million, Manchester City, and Arsenal, both just over $250 million. And the club, Steve, spending least Luton Town, $25 million. But if we look at net spending, that is the amount you spend minus the amount you recover by selling players, Brighton did best with a profit of $90 million, although, of course, they did lose some good players. And you could say the best business was Bournemouth, spending $137 million, and receiving $136 million. Just running through some of the main transfers, Arsenal arguably signing Declan Rice was the the signing of the summer, also Kai Havertz, Chelsea adding 
Caicedo from Brighton, Nicholas Jackson and Cole Palmer. But look at the players who left Chelsea. N'Golo Kante, Edward Mendy, Kepa, Hakim Ziyech, Mason Mount, Koulibaly, Kovacek, Kai Havertz, Christian Pulisic and Aubameyang. Almost a team in itself. Liverpool signed Alexis McAllister, but again, they had a lot of good players leaving. Roberto Firmino, Naby Cater, James Milner, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Fabinho, Jordan Henderson. And Manchester City main signings were Kovacek and Matthias Nunes, but they saw the departures of Gundogan, Laporte, Riyad Mahrez, Cancelo and Cole Palmer. And then the last club to mention Tottenham, of course, the big thing for them was losing Harry Kane. But they did gain James Madison and Brennan Johnson. And in some ways, they look at quite a balanced side at the moment. But for me, Steve, the strangest signing is Johnny Evans to Manchester United. Evans is 35. He played 100 games for Manchester United uh, 2005 to 2016, then went to West Brom and Leicester. When he was without a club, he asked Manchester United if he could train there and finished up being offered a contract. Yes, even got to play as a sub in that game against Arsenal two weeks ago, did Johnny Evans. And Stuart, plenty of African transfers to talk about. I wonder, Steve, who will prove to be the most significant African transfer. You make a case for Andre Onana, the $60 million goalkeeper, Milan to Manchester United, or indeed Amrabat. The Moroccan midfield player, a lot of people think that's just what Manchester United need. Nicholas Jackson from Senegal, uh, going from Villarreal to Chelsea, could be a, a big addition there. And Ola Aina, Torino to Nottingham Forest, another one. And then could I mention a couple of almost Africans. Moussa Diaby, who signed for Aston Villa from Leverkusen in Germany for $65 million. He's French but with a very strong family from Mali. And Christopher Kunku, from Leipzig, sadly injured at the moment, coming from Leipzig, although he is French, to Chelsea, and he has a Congolese background. And just mentioning other Africans, Eric Bailly, who was for many years at Manchester United, has now gone to Besiktas in Turkey, and Alex Awobi, moving from Everton to Fulham. And... Finally, going back to where we started, Steve, Mo Salah is staying at Liverpool, despite the club being offered a reported $150 million from Saudi Arabia. Now, Salah is a great player, but he's not worth $150 million at his age. So in a way, I'm surprised that Liverpool didn't take the money. Oh, yes, that was a huge offer. I'm sure, though, that Liverpool fans are happy that uh, Salah stayed. So the Premier League back this weekend, uh, Brighton, Manchester United among the big games. Yes, ten Premier League games spread over Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And, uh, yeah, the Brighton-Manchester United is a fascinating game, for uh, particularly with the United having lost two of their first four games. But also, what about West Ham, fourth in the table, at home to top of the table, Manchester City. Of course, a win for Manchester City over anyone will surprise no one, but it will be intriguing to see if West Ham can continue their early season form. And second place Tottenham are at home to relegation strugglers Sheffield United, so we could actually finish up if City don't win 
with Tottenham, top of the league. Liverpool, third in the league table, are away to Wolves, and already I think Wolves are one of the clubs who look to be in relegation trouble after four games. Chelsea, twelfth in the league table, go to Bournemouth, desperately needing a win, as do Newcastle United, fourth last season, but currently 14th. I know it's early season, but somehow the league table does seem to be taking shape. But then, Steve, wait for it. Tuesday and Wednesday sees the start of the UEFA Champions League. And even though it's just the first round of the group stage, there are some intriguing games. How about Bayern Munich at home to Manchester United? That looks the standout tie. And isn't there a striker at Bayern Munich, Harry Kane? who Manchester United really wanted, so they'll have a chance to have a good look at him up close. And, well, Manchester United not really starting as strongly as they might have done. Um, they've got to avoid a bad result in Bayern. Arsenal are at home to PSV Eindhoven from Netherlands and Manchester City at home to Red Star Belgrade. Holders Real Madrid at home to Union Berlin. But then there's the group of death, we could almost call it. AC Milan at home to Newcastle United, Paris Saint-Germain at home to Borussia Dortmund. I mean, when you've got a Premier League club, an Italian club, a German club, and perhaps the richest club in Europe in PSG, you know you're getting something a bit special. And whatever the outcome in that group, you can't help thinking that two very good clubs are not going to reach the knockout stage. Oh, Steve, isn't it great to have the Champions League back? Yes, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, Stuart. So the English Premier League games this weekend include Liverpool away to Wolves in the early kickoff on Saturday, Man United Brighton and Man City away to West Ham also on Saturday, Arsenal away to Everton on Sunday, along with Chelsea away to Bournemouth. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Stuart Weir and from Ida Waringa, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport. Football Africa is a passion for sport production.